Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 94 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing night hiking. So you've been hiking for a while, and you're looking for something a bit different to mix it up with, maybe a new trail or a new location, but instead, maybe you don't really need a new trail, but just a different way to look at the old trails that you've been doing. And this is where night hiking comes in. Or not, as in my case. (laughs) Now, night hiking provides additional opportunities to get out into the bush, but also represents additional risks. So in this podcast, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of hiking at night, as well as the factors that need to be considered to to ensure that we do it as safely as possible. We hope you enjoy. So I suppose the first thing to look at is to discuss what we actually mean by night hiking. And really, um, from my perspective, it's hiking during the dark. uh, And that could be anywhere from uh, just after sunset in the evening, uh, anywhere through until just before sunrise in the morning. Um, And really, there's no such thing as just night hiking. It really is a pick, pick, pick which way you want to go. Now, reasons for night hiking tend to vary. Uh, And in fact, I can hear many of you thinking to yourselves, why on earth would you want to hike at night time? And this doesn't surprise me. The majority of hikers I know, including Jill, uh, aren't into (laughs) night night hiking. Um, But for me, it's just another excuse to do what I love, and it gives me another opportunity to get out and hike. And I must admit, I do like night hiking. I haven't really been night hiking, I have to confess. So um, I think there are times when we've done uh, perhaps a very early morning um, hike uh, to see a sunset. hasn't really been nighttime or what I would consider nighttime. Um, so maybe, I don't know, after this I'll give it a go, maybe. <laughs> um, so I tend to hike at nighttime at least once a week, and in most cases – Um, I'm an early starter. I typically get up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I'll get up, uh, have a drink, go to the bathroom. uh, And if I'm not going to the gym, at least a couple of times a week, I'll get up and go hiking um, on a a little local hike that's uh, around about four kilometres in length. Um, And this is year round. Um, And from my perspective, it really does allow, allow me to see the world in a different way. So I find it extends the opportunity to hike uh, further or to slow the pace down. So you often hear people, particularly doing the longer hikes, um, that are doing big kilometres in a day, and you've got two choices there. You can either hike fast uh, during the daytime or you can slow your pace down and hike longer. And this may mean that you're actually hiking at night time. And on my Bibbleman track hike last year, I had three nights where I was hiking, um, and that ranged anywhere between an hour to an hour and a half um, into the pitch black. Um, so that allowed me to reach my destination, um, 
rather than having to stop short and camp on the trail. Another reason is to reach that peak in time for sunrise and sunset. And I'll give you an example here. Um, I've been on Mount Kosciuszko a couple of times uh, uh, for sunrise. Um, it's actually not, you're actually not allowed to camp on the top of uh, Mount Kosciuszko. So it means you need to camp down lower away from the summit and walk up just before uh, for sunrise. Uh, and in a lot of cases, I tend to probably allow myself um, about 40 minutes to get up to the summit, uh, get there while it's still pitch black, and just wait for the sun to come up. Hiking at night time, or, and again, this depends on whether it's evening or morning, it doesn't really matter too much, provides relief from the heat of the day. And as we're recording this podcast, um, we've had just over 40 degrees today, uh, and as always, a bit of Murphy's Law here, our air conditioner's broken down. <laughs> so, this is going to be a really quick po- podcast, trust me. So, yeah, it's it's pretty hot. And, then, yeah, and I, I'll talk about, a bit about some hiker news at the end of this, uh, this podcast uh, because we've had a lot of hikers over the last month have some big issues with heat. So, as, as I said, we'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. The environment changes totally, uh, and even familiar sites become new. And I must admit, if I have a choice, my preference for night hiking is uh, in the morning, if I can, uh, when there's a full moon, so the moon's full and very high up in the sky, uh, it's still dark, um, and it's in the middle of winter. And for us in Canberra, that means we can get some quite heavy frosts. So you can get some quite attractive, you know, everything's covered in frost. You're walking through this. It really is quite an attractive sort of environment. It looks totally different. Um, you know, it almost turns it into a winter wonderland. And the other reason for the hiking at night is that the wildlife is different. Um, so it's not unusual for me to see a couple of different types of possums. Uh, I can get a lot closer to kangaroos at night time. This is not always by choice, but they don't seem to, seem to move out of the way too much at night time. Um, and you get to see things that um, you wouldn't normally see during the daytime. Now, while there are reasons to hike at night, there are also reasons not to. Um, and these include... Your vision is impacted at night, so you need to pay much closer attention to where you put your feet. You can risk injury if you misstep or trip over something that's not so obvious in the dark. So again, not specifically a reason not to hike, but it's a big consideration that you need to factor in. Because your vision is restricted, uh, your field of vision is much narrower. The big panoramic visions and views from the top of hills and mountains that you get during the daytime, you don't have at nighttime. So it forces you to to narrow your attention or the focus of your attention. um, And you've got a much narrower range of view that you're taking into account. Now, I find that... um, when people first start hiking at night, and, and this certainly does include me or did include me as well, um, there are a lot of concerns about, and I, and I suppose the best way to put this is about things that go bump in the night. Uh, noises seem to amplify at night time and your imagination can often run wild. Um, so I, on my usual hikes, um, there always are a couple of other people around at that time of the morning. Um, but there's one guy in particular 
who never wear, never wears or never uses a headlight. It doesn't matter what the the light conditions are. He's walking up the, our local mountain in pitch black, uh, and this is on management trail and 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 form trail. And if I'm not focused or paying attention, all of a sudden he's there and I haven't realised it. So it tends to give you it tends to startle you. <laughs> All the time. He probably thinks it's really funny. <laughs> um, the other thing that in, in the area that I hike in, there's a lot of kangaroos on the trail uh, and they don't seem to want to move that much at night time. So they're feeding, whereas during the daytime, they'll move out of the way of, of, of hikers quite quickly. During nighttime, they'll stay quite quite put uh, in place. So it's not unusual to get within sort of a metre and metre and a half of them and then they move, and they're quite noisy when they move. Um, and you, again, if you don't realise they're there, it is a bit a bit startling. Um, and it, this, even though I've been hiking for a number of years, it doesn't seem to get any better. Um, you know, if something's there and I haven't expected it or haven't been aware of it, it is still a bit of a shock. Now, to get the best out of night hiking, there's probably a number of things that you can go through and do, particularly if you haven't done this before. So the following list of um, suggestions would be things that I would recommend for people who haven't done night hiking before. Um, And we'll talk about um, some additional skills a bit after that as well. So what I'd suggest is, just like any normal hike, Tell somebody plans um, just as you normally would. Um, and it might be that, okay, I'm going away for the weekend. I'm going to, through and doing a 30-kilometer hike, and we will be hiking at nighttime as part of that. Uh, just so if something happens, you get lost, people are trying to find you, they at least have an indication of where you are. And to do that, you need to be aware of whether you are going to be hiking at nighttime or not. Um, and... Um, when we go through and talk about lighting in a minute or so, um, that is a, a big consideration because it'll impact on the equipment you carry. And I think what that means is that to the extent possible, make it a decision that you make beforehand as opposed to something that you do on the spur of the moment. Um, pick good weather. Um, again, it's no good hiking in at nighttime in pouring rain, in driving snow, in really bad con- or strong windy conditions. It really depends on why you're there. If you're just doing it just to get the distances and you can find the trail quite comfortably, that's fine. But if you're trying to see something different, you generally want good weather conditions. Pick a trail you know well from your daytime hiking and one that's easier to follow for your first night hike. So... The, the, the trail that I use up, up our local mountain, which is around about four kilometres, over the last 45 years, I have probably done this trail on average at least twice a week. Uh, I know it very well. Um, I um, have pretty much done the same walk, although it was very different in those days. Um, but it's, um, it's very familiar to me. Um, so I, I almost know every rock and, and, and uh, gutter and crevice on the trail, so it makes it a lot easier. It doesn't stop you from tripping over one every now and then, though. No, it still does. It still, <laughs> it still does happen. Um, pick a safe trail. So choosing a trail that has steep, dangerous drop-offs is not the best cho- choice for hiking at night in any circumstance. So really you want something that's, that's a, a good, clean sort of trail, 
good signage, uh, nice and wide, easy to follow, uh, and not something that's going to have any any dangers if you if you wander off in the wrong spot. Move slowly. Um, there's no rush, um, and again. I, when I'm hiking during the daytime, um, particularly during the hot months of the year, I'm very focused on whether there are any snakes around and I'm always scanning the trail ahead of me. Nighttime, while snakes tend not to be an issue, um, you still have to scan the trail ahead of you to make sure you're not about to trip over any sticks or rocks or uh, put your foot into a hole and, and fall over. So take your time. Know the lunar cycle. Um, because for me, hiking when the moon is high in the sky is one of life's great joys. Uh, and as I've said, I've had, I probably get one or two really spectacular walks a year where, you know, it's early in the morning, it's pitch black, the moon is overhead, um, and it makes a really big difference. You know, it is so light, it's almost daytime. Know your gear. Uh, don't start using new or unfamiliar gear on your first night hike. Um, you know, use gear with you're familiar with. You don't want to have to focus on learning a new skill or hiking in a different environment and learning your gear at the same time. If you are carrying a pack, um, so, you know, you're carrying a pack and you're doing a multi-day hike and you're hiking at night time, know where everything is uh, without having to empty your whole pack. I've used the same packing system probably for the last two and a half years. It really hasn't changed. Things go into my pack in a certain order. Um, I know that when I put my hand into a pack, I know where what I'm picking up, what I'm touching, and what particular bag or container I'm actually getting out. Uh, and that's even without a, uh, a light uh, because I know where things are placed. And I think that's probably something to practice as well, to reach into your pack to get the thing that you need without actually looking um, because you need to be able to touch it and feel it and um, recognize just the right thing. Ensure that whatever torch or light you have is in good working condition and the batteries are fully charged. Um, you know, for most cases, the night hiking I do is probably only an hour, an hour and a half in most cases. Um, but if you're planning on hiking for a number of hours, and I'll give you an example here, you're doing the Oxfam Trail Walker Trail and you're you're hiking for hiking through the night, you want to make sure that you either have a spare set of batteries or the battery is going to last you. Be observant and pay attention to your footing and your surrounds, including any overhead branches. Um, if, you, if, at night, if you're focusing so much on where you're placing your feet, which you need to, you also need to look at where your head is uh, and you're not about to walk in into any trees. Travel with someone else. Um, the recommendation for any hike, and this is, um, I'll say this is traditional wisdom, and I'll explain that in a moment, is to hike in a group of four. Uh, and the reason for this is that if a person has an accident, someone can stay with them while two others go and get help, which means there's no one left by themselves or, or, or moving by themselves. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, um, and I'll explain that in a moment. And finally, choose an appropriate light of some sort. And in most cases for hikers these days, that means a headlamp, but not always. Now, I'll offer an alternative view to getting the best out of night hiking. Um, and this really applies to experienced hikers with good skill levels. And there are a couple of alternate practices you can go through and use. 
Now, I do say these are an advanced skills and you do need to use your experience and common sense in choosing when and when not to use them. So the first one is solo hiking. I do enjoy solo hiking uh, just as much as I enjoy hiking with Jill. Um, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, and, it, it, and again, hiking at nighttime or solo hiking at nighttime is a very different experience. You don't have to be concerned about what other hikers are doing. You don't have to worry about being blinded by someone else's lights. And if you're traveling as a group of three or four people, um, you've got a, a, a series of lights uh, and, you, and that does impact on what you're seeing and how you're seeing things. And the bigger the group, the more noise you're going to generate and the more wildlife you're going to scare off. So I find that, as I say, I on the, the, the hike that I do, um, I see possums and kangaroos. And again, because I'm traveling by myself, they don't tend to move away until I'm right on top of them. The other thing that's worthwhile trying once you're comfortable with hiking at nighttime is to hike without a light. And this creates a whole different experience to just hiking at nighttime in general. I do this quite regularly. Uh, and for me, walking uphill, um, I will, uh, uh, on, my, on my local hike, I don't use a torch in most cases. Um, I find this to be exhilarating. Uh, and particularly when the moon is at its brightest, as I mentioned before, it's been so bright in some instances, it's almost like it's a, a muted version of daylight. And you start getting a, a black and white landscape with, with different shadows. And it's quite, quite spectacular. Um, and this, as I said, requires you to know what the lunar cycles are. Know when, the, know when there's full moon. Know when, um, if you are hiking, you know, it might only be a partial moon. Or you might be hiking at a time when the moon is low in the sky and is not creating much light for you. So I found on the Bibbleman track... Uh, I was actually hiking on one night where it was actually a, a full moon, but it was very low. There were a lot of dense tree coverage, and as a result, the moon generally had no impact at all. But if you're hiking in an area where it's quite open and the, the moon can actually get through, it's quite amazing. Now, even when I am hiking without a light on, I will still carry one because the reverse of what I've just described is when I start walking down the mountain, I will automatically turn the light on because there are some quite steep sections. Um, if it's been dry and hot, the, uh, the, the, the management trail becomes quite dry and powdery. There's a lot of fine rocks on the trail and it's almost a bit like walking on marbles. So having the light on at nighttime, walking down a, a hill in this instance is, is probably quite critical to my safety. So, as I said, even, even though I'll have it off going up because my, my footing is so much more stable, coming down is a different matter. So now we're on the subject of talking about lights. Um, what sort of light do you actually need for hiking at nighttime? And this is one of these sort of things that I think most people these days will um, agree that majority of hikers tend to use headlamps of some sort. Really, with headlamps, they free up your hands. So it means if you need to grab something, um, it's quite easy to do so because your hands are free. If you're using hiking poles, um, it allows you to have your hands free. Um, 
and it allows you to actually, you know, if you're, if you're cooking at night time or doing something, you, you, you've got your ability to see what you're doing with your hands actually able to do something else. I just think that a headlamp is so much more convenient. Um, even if you're not doing something with your hands, the the opportunity to drop a torch, um, you know, um, to misplace it or whatever, I think is is much greater. Um, even if you've got it attached to you in some way, so um, I think a headlamp works quite well. As far as using lights are concerned, the type of night hiking I do is going to vary. If I know that I'm going out on a trip and I will be hiking at night time, um, and it's a an unfamiliar trail, I'll bring a headlight that's uh, fairly powerful, uh, that's got a, a long distance beam and a high intensity beam that allows me to see a reasonable distance down the trail. One of the things that I found on the Bibbleman track on the on the nights that I did hike, and this is something that really I wasn't expecting and did surprise me is. The trail markers are reflective. It's a requirement of Australian standard. Um, and you don't actually realize this during the daytime. But at nighttime, I was able to see the trail markers so much easier than during the daytime. And even from distances of 70 or 80 meters away, you could see this little yellow dot and you knew you were following the trail. So it was actually easier to navigate at nighttime than it was during the day. And this did surprise me. Um if um, I know the trail, I'm very familiar with it. I um, uh, don't have to worry about um, having any, you know, going close to the edge of anywhere. I know exactly what's going on. I'll use either turn the the power down on a, a high intensity light, uh, or I'll use a lower uh, lumen headlamp um, that's a bit lighter weight, or I'll turn the uh, the light onto the red setting. Um, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of using the red setting. I think it's good around the camp, but I just don't tend to like walking with it. I like to have a, a white sort of light. Um, the red settings on headlamps uh, do actually help to preserve your night vision and make things a bit easier to see. But I, as I said, it's just a personal preference. I'll use it during uh, at camp if I'm not reading, uh, but otherwise, um, uh, if I'm physically walking, I tend to use a white light. These days, um, a lot of lights have multiple functions. Um, so you'll find that for generally under or around the $100 mark or less, you'll pick up a good quality light that um, has quite a few features and settings on it. Uh, and in some respects, they tend to be a bit awkward because uh, there are so many different settings on some of these torches. You have to remember what they are. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Sometimes you sit there playing with it and you get the wrong light and you inadvertently blind somebody or, you know, you you, you turn it off. Uh, particularly if you're going to go to the toilet, that would be a good thing to do. Um, turn it off and then you try and turn it back on again and that doesn't work so well and you get every other um, intensity light uh, uh, rather than the one that you're looking for. And, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing that, you know, read the instructions, know what the features are and that's good but... You have, you know, when you haven't used it for a one or two months, then you think, oh, now how did this work again? Keep it simple. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there, yeah, you know, it's good having things that have lots of features, uh, but whether you're going to use all the features and whether you remember how to use them. Um, 
and the other thing with headlamps is choose something that's comfortable. Um, you know, if it's, it doesn't matter how good the beam is, if it's really uncomfortable, it's not going to help you because you're going to be so focused on worrying about the uh, the actual comfort of it rather than what you where you're going. Now, in relation to headlamp etiquette, um, I generally find that when I'm hiking with groups of people, someone at nighttime will have their headlamp pointing straight ahead and I'll talk to them and they'll turn and face me and they'll blind me. So um, most headlamps have an adjustment on them. You can actually adjust them from being straight ahead to to, to down. In fact, I've got one that will actually, um, it has such a big adjustment, it will actually shine into my face. Um, (laughs) uh, Not particularly helpful. Blinding you. Yeah, blinding me. But it it does mean you can adjust it uh, very, very easily. Um, So... If you are talking to other groups of hikers and you're not needing a good light to cook or read or do something, turn the the volume of the light down uh, and also angle the actual beam so you're not locked, um, shining it in someone else's face. The other thing, as I mentioned, was the intensity. Uh, if you don't need the high beam uh, setting on a light, turn it down. Uh, or better yet, turn it off. Uh, if you don't need to have it on, leave it off. One of the things you'll find if you have a look on the internet is there are some um, blogs that will actually recommend that if you're at camp and you see a group of hikers approaching, turn the lights off so you don't blind them as they come into camp. I don't particularly agree with that school of thought. Um, I think, yeah, sure, turn it down, make sure they're angled down and don't stare at people when they come into camp. Um, but you know, I think people coming into our camp, it's nice to know where people are rather than turning up and all of a sudden, surprise, there's five people sitting there that they haven't seen before. Yeah, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? You you, you saw the lights and you're following the lights and suddenly everybody turns their light off. <laughs> That's a little bit like going to a, um, a party that you're not wanted at, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> so, um, again, turning the light down, turning it off does conserve battery life. Um, so it really depends on on how much you're actually hiking. You know, if it's just once every you know once and that's it, or if you're going on an extended hike, uh, you may even need to carry spare batteries or carry batteries that are actually going through and um, uh, can be recharged. We've gone through and talked quite a lot about you know the, the practices and the pros and cons. Um, and as I said, I, for me, I love night hiking. I really do. And I, I'll get out any chance I can. In particular, as I said, if I can time it where there's a full moon early in the morning with lots of frost, that's 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 my ideal hike. It really is. Uh, the cold doesn't worry me too much. Uh, and I'm not talking about snow here. I'm talking about, uh, as I said, frost on a well-marked trail. So it's. I was going to say, it's worthwhile giving night hiking a try, even if it's just to see what it's like. You may find that you only ever limit it to um, to getting up in the morning just so you can summit that mountain to be there for sunrise, um, or you may decide that you love it and it's something you do all the time. But as we've said through this episode, you need to pick your occasions, you need to pick your trails, you need to think about your own safety as far as when you are going to do this or not. Um, and it's like any hike, make sure that you take it into consideration, take your skills into consideration and um, decide you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. 
But the main thing, it should be because you enjoy doing it. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, um, we are going through a heat wave at the moment. Today in Canberra was just over 40 degrees. Uh, it's similar sorts of forecast over the next few days. Uh, it's been like this uh, through a lot of the uh, uh, the east coast of Australia, from virtually from um, um, Melbourne right the way through to Sydney and north. We've got family in rural South Australia, uh, and they've had temperatures of 45 degrees. So, um, you know, the only thing we can really say, it is hot. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and as I said at the start of this episode, we're sitting here recording this podcast. It's still 38 degrees outside, and the air conditioner has decided to give, it, give up the, the ghost, and we won't get it back for a couple of days. So, um, yeah, we need to get a bit of, bit of air moving through the place. But... The reason I raise this is over the last four to six weeks in particular, we've had a number of instances where hikers have been affected quite badly by the heat. Uh, and this is particularly in the Northern Territory. Um, and today, as we record this podcast, there was an article on the ABC News uh, where the Northern Territory Emergency Services are putting out a plea for hikers to stop ignoring the heat warnings in, the, in Central Australia. And they, they've gone through and given an example here of a 60-year-old bushwalker that had to be rescued uh, over the previous weekend. Uh, and this is only close to Simpsons Gap, so it's not as if it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was a group of hikers um, where one of them sustained an ankle injury, became dehydrated, um, uh, and um, had to be evacuated out. And we've had a number of similar instances where people... Uh, in this case, the example I just mentioned was an experienced hiker, uh, but we've also had tourists who aren't familiar with the uh, Outback Australia and don't really think about the heat. Uh, and the heat up around the Alice Springs area and the area that I, we were talking about has been up to sort of 45, 46 degrees. And on the Fahrenheit scale, that's about 114 degrees. It's hot. It really is. Mm -hmm. But even when we were hiking over Christmas at Kosciuszko, and uh, people were coming up uh, from uh, on the chairlift, on the ski lift at um, Threadbow onto the boardwalk. Um, I, I was quite amazed at the number of people who weren't carrying water, weren't carrying anything at, at all. Um, and, you know, it's a reasonably strenuous sort of walk uh, in that context. Um, but also it was also quite warm. So... You know, I, I think that it is something to think about no matter how, what you're doing, how you're going, um, how long you're going to be away if you're out in the, in the weather, in the hot weather, make sure you have water. Yeah, definitely. So as I said, you know, it's, it's, it's in particular because of the extreme heat we're getting at the moment, people just aren't focused on it. Um, make sure you consider your safety and you, you um, Choose your hikes or choose not to hike depending on what the weather conditions are. All right, that's all for this week's episode. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed um, a bit of a, an introduction to night hiking. Uh, we hope you give it a try just to see what, what you think. Um, and if you haven't night hiked before and you give it a try, drop us a line and let us know how you went. And I might even give it a go, Tim, except if I have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do it. Okay, 
As always, you can listen to this episode through our website at www.australianhiker.com.au, through SoundCloud, through Stitcher Radio, through Spotify. And if you have the opportunity, please also go through and give us a rating on iTunes to help get the message out there. Our next episode in two weeks' time is transitioning to multi-day hiking, and we've put this one on at the, because we've had a couple of requests for this episode. So keep an eye out for that. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.